0: Are your customers the kind who politely come and go and sometimes leave you little hearts on social media? Or are they actually obsessed with what you do? The difference between an
1: incredible brand and all the others is how they create
0: fans. Welcome to the Brand to Fan Show, where we unpack the phenomenon of fandom and how to cultivate affinity, loyalty, and trust to build more fans so you can future-proof your business. Here's your host, Lauren Teague. If you were counting along at home and you were wondering how many episodes it would take to have a real true sports conversation on brand to fan show, look no further. You know, fandom is usually expressed through sports or entertainment from a very young age. It's kind of how we are initially drawn to being a fan is usually through a team or a sport or something we see on TV. Well, for my next guest, that's no different. And today we're gonna unpack and explore how fandom can inspire an entire career. She is a rock star in the sports world and maybe the entertainment world too. Baron Benjamin has been at Tagboard, leading sports business development for over seven years. She also, as a side hustle, does marketing plant maintenance for NFL players. She's a former NCAA athlete, D1 athlete. She is a rock star of epic proportions. And I just cannot thank you enough, Farron, for being on Brand of Fan Show because I am seriously such a fan of yours.
1: No, Laura, we go way back. I mean, you I met you my first year at Tag Board when we flew out for sports PR. So I my second year um, and I know that we've kept in touch ever since, and we always find each other at random events that we don't actually like call each other beforehand. and I don't know why we don't do, but, um, we'll both see each other at conventions and, and all this other jazz and stuff throughout sports. So I, I've loved keeping up with you. I love hearing what's on the radar for you coming up soon. So I'm really excited, but love being on here. I love supporting my friends in the industry. Well, I
0: love that you have such a background and thank you so much for saying those things. You have such a, an incredible background in multiple sides of sports. You have participated at the highest levels of collegiate athletics. You have supported players who have gone on to even the highest levels of professional competition in the NFL. And you've stayed in those circles. And then from a business development side, you literally are in the meetings, the events, the teams, the leagues, like the biggest, coolest things. We were just talking before we started. And you're like, I'm going to be at Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, All-Star Game. And I'm like, listen to you, can you believe, like, is this always been your trajectory? Or do you kind of pinch yourself
1: when you wake up and you're like, wow, I get to do this thing, see these people? It's fun. I will say like, it, it's really fun. Like sports is a very fun industry to work in. I think sometimes it gets like a little bit over glamored for, for when it is because a lot of the stuff that we do is very, you know, on both sides of, of my world, the athlete representation side, um, as a marketing agent and a contract agent, and then on the tag board side, Leading up our business, um, you know, sales team for sports, it's fun, right? But it's there is still always that like that it has its ugly sides. But I would say that you know, being able to wake up and talk football all day, talk NBA, talk about uh, video board sizes for for NBA All Star Weekend, like it's fun, right? It's better than me looking at an Excel sheet and crunching numbers, or me having to kind of go sit in a in a courthouse. Um, you know, those those are kind of things that just aren't, you know, necessarily a fit for me. But talking sports and football and video board sizes and how are we going to get fans to take their phones out all day? Like, I I will not complain that this is this is fun for me. Yeah,
0: let's start at the very beginning. You know what? Going way back, like, what are some of the first things you remember being a fan? Like as a girl growing up, um, did you grow up in Southern California?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I'm an only child. I'm an only child lefty. So two weird things that not not very that not very common anymore. But the first thing I remember. Growing up is, is football. Um, my family was really, really big into football. My dad played um, for most of his life leading up into college. My grandpa, all, you know, all the men in my family played football. And um, I remember I, I became a fan of the game. Um, my dad got tickets one day to USC Cal. Um, we went to the USC Cal game and it happened to be in 04. So for people that are fans of USC in 04, that was Matt Liner versus Aaron Rodgers in the Coliseum. And the second I went there, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, oh, this is, this is nuts. That was my first college football game. And, and from there it, it stemmed my love from USC. Um, some people know this about me, others don't. Um, I only applied to USC. I took every egg and put it all in the same basket. And people were like, don't do that. It's not safe. It's not it, it's gonna backfire. Well, it backfired. Um, I got rejected with a with a 4.3 GPA, being a four-time athlete, four-time ASB and all that stuff. And I ended up going to community college for a year. I took off uh, 50 units, that's five zero, not one five, five zero units in one year and got right on back to USC where where I knew I belonged. So it's uh football has kind of started this whole journey off for me. Uh, we started off back in the day. My grandparents were Rams boosters. Um they used to fly on the planes, the guide to the Pro Bowl and stuff. And my dad's friend from high school married the equipment manager um, of the Rams and his family. So we had always kind of been traveling around when the Rams left LA, we'd go to St. Louis all the time. So football has kind of always been the center of what has kind of helped me make these decisions, you know. Decisions for, for college, decisions on where I want to go to college, decisions on what I want to do. I'm not, most people don't know, but I, I played boys football at Los Al. Uh, so Los Almios High School is down there in Orange County. I played under John Barnes. I played boys football. I was a weak side DB, so I played corner and uh, got pretty lit up most games. Uh, almost broke a jaw another game, which that guy ended up going to USC. So that was a fun encounter when I got there because I remembered his name. And then I looked at the thing. I was like, gosh, that's the guy who like lit me up and almost broke my jaw. It was. And so I'll leave his name out, but I uh, ended up becoming a friend at USC. But, all you know, football has kind of been the core of what has helped me guide myself from being in high school to college to now, you know, both sides and both facets of my career.
0: Oh, I think that's just amazing. And it really just speaks to the impact of, you know, a fandom, you know, like how that really can influence somebody. And you said it shapes your whole life, the milestones, the steps, the decisions that you've made. And it, that's something that I still feel is very unique to yeah. fandom. Like there's not a lot of other influence that happens like externally that we can become a part of. And as we're growing up, you know, like what your family does kind of becomes a part of that, what your, maybe your church group does or kind of other community things might influence. But true, I think for me, fandom really speaks to the heart of like what connects you at your core and your essence. And then. Seeking family and connections kind of because of that shared enthusiasm. You've seen that through your your own experience as well.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, like people always say, like, Well, give me your favorite teams. I don't have favorite teams. I work, you know, on the on the tech side of things, you know, at Tagboard, we we work with 185 different logos throughout sports. So I, you know, I'm a fan of the Eagles this day, and then I'm a fan, you know, the Giants this day, and then I'm a fan of the Cowboys this day, and then all of a sudden here go the Lions. And so I don't really have, uh, you know, when it comes to fandom, I'm 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 just a general fan. Obviously, with my NFL athletes, they're on 13 different teams, and here, there, and everywhere, and then these get traded here and there, and so I'm a fan of sports, and but I don't have. Uh, I people always ask, what's your favorite teams? Um, I I can't have those. I can't. I have to be very unbiased to everybody that I work with and everybody that um gives me the opportunities to work with them, both in the team and that and the uh, athlete side.
0: Yeah, I used to say that every PGA Tour player was my favorite player, even if they're not all your favorite player. Like when you're working for or representing or working with, you know, in that, you know, in that arena, like they're all because, you know, and also part of that is is just kind of keeping the peace.
1: (laughs) There's been some times where I'm like, oh, let me get my Twitter. And i was like, ah, they are a client of mine. I cannot talk about the Pac-12 championship game. Never mind. And then I pull like, right down. Yeah. You just file um, that away. You put like, it in like, a oh, somewhere. I like you guys when you don't beat my Trojans, but I was like, eh, I'll just leave this one there. I'm, leave- I'm a fan of you guys. I'm just gonna leave this one there. Talk about a little bit
0: about um, pulling the phone out, because that is actually the essence of what Tagboard has been able to build upon is capitalizing not on what's happening on the field, but the fans perspective and what they're doing around that. Can you share a little bit about kind of maybe not the origin story, but like how Tag Ward's technology has empowered teams and leagues to put the the power back into the fans' hands?
1: Yeah. So um, Tag Ward's an animated audience experience platform. So we are designed to help storytellers from sports, news, entertainment, media, produce the most engaging content. Um, and so, you know, when I go out there, you know, my job at Tag Ward is to to meet with teams and leagues and broadcast entities and, and these temple events that you're going to see all throughout the next few months here, you know, my job is to help them promote and bring to life these cross-channel conversations. So when I'm, when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about, okay, if, I, if I'm a fan in the stands, what can this team do to drive me to their website, to download their app, to subscribe to their podcast? And then if I'm at home and I'm sitting at home and I'm not at that AFC championship game, or I'm not at game six at the Chase Center, how can I feel more of a part of it? Like as if I was there? So I'm always kind of thinking that way. How do we amplify the fans' voices? And how do teams kind of collect on that? You know, how do we say, we have all these fans cheering for everybody. How can we all get them to do one thing or two things? How can we drive them to be bigger, better, more spending um, and and more frequent fans? And that's kind of how my brain um, sinks on a daily basis is how do we kind of continue to get the fans coming back for more content, more games, more autographs, more this and more that while keeping them all within the ecosystem of that of that team or that fan base is there a secret sauce to that is there
0: something that like is a repeatable process or um a like if we spend x amount of time focused on the story or the ugc the user generated
1: content it will create that like do you have a little recipe that you put into motion I wouldn't say there's a secret sauce. Like obviously the UGC and fan content is always something that people like. Like everyone likes seeing themselves on billboards, video boards, you know, on TV. Like, you know, it's like when you watch the morning news, and you see people behind the news anchors, like waving and, and whatnot. And, and the producers in the fields and stuff, you kind of laugh but you're like, everyone just wants to see themselves. They want their moment in the sun. And so for me, like there is no recipe, right? Like, but they, the 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 only bad recipe is nothing. You know, and like I always tell people, the more content, the better, the more options about, because not all fan is the same. If you say, okay, yeah, more podcasts, well, maybe not all your friends like podcasts or all your fans like podcasts. So maybe you do, okay, a few more podcasts here, maybe a few more live shows here, maybe a few more sweepstakes and giveaways here, maybe a few. And so it's kind of just like putting everything in the box and shaking it up. But then, you know, everything that, that kind of we build off of is all based around data. So my, one of my biggest things is how can I, how can I put together activations for fans and brands and teams and and everybody? And how can I get people to continue coming back for more? Mm -hmm. And and what does that fan look like? You know, I balance this with with my NFL clients and I balance this with my tag board clients. And it's, it's like, what is the ideal fan and what does that fan look like? Because if I can figure out what Zaire Franklin needs to do to get more fans and more people to help support his toy drives, I could then narrow in on that, and then we now make that toy drive successful for the community, the people of Indianapolis, the people of Philadelphia, and all that jazz and you know, same with tagboard. if I can provide data, you know, where are most of your fans coming from? Where are they calling out from? Are they, you know, are they in Hoboken? Are they in you know Long Island? You know these are things where it's just kind of like if we can figure out the data behind the fans on on any side of a fan, it that's kind of where we can we can make better decisions on what is that secret recipe for that fan base? Absolutely. I think that
0: that using the data, we're always asking for some sort of transaction um, with a fan as as a brand or a marketer. You're asking to get someone's data, whether it's their cookies or their login or, you know, their email address or something. And very few, it feels like from the user experience, you don't get a whole lot of return for that, right? Like, yeah, you maybe got a download, or you maybe got a shout out, or like you got now or the recipient of eight emails a week, like great. But there's not necessarily like that value transaction, and so I'm making a mental pin. I'm going to speak with Tim Hayden, who's the CEO of Brain Trust, um, and and they work with big brands on leveraging data and and privacy and cybersecurity concerns and all of that. So making a mental note to like return to that with that conversation yep. with him. I think that's it's really interesting how you kind of think about what, who is the ideal fan and, and what do they mean? And, and then acknowledging like, not all fans have the same motivations. And certainly like we, we know that like you might be a diehard for USC and then, you know, but like an adjacent fan for uh, like maybe professional golf or something like that. But I think it's also true that we are not like what we express through sports or entertainment can also be emulated on the brand side. So it's you know, are you a, do you always drive Jeeps? Are you yeah. a, a loyal, frequent flyer of a, You know, for me, it's Alaska ah. Airlines. Oh, Delta. Yeah, I love Delta. Too. Right. So if you're listening, Alaska Airlines, come sponsor the podcast. Um. So you know, so where do you see the the crossover between like what we know about fandom and the ideal fan or the ideal audience member, and then thinking about how could a brand unpackage that and like and actually implement some of those lessons if
1: yeah, that's an interesting side of each of things that, that, like I said, that, that come across my desk that we put a lot of thought behind and stuff. And it's like, what, you know, when we're looking at, when we're looking at our team, we're looking how to activate the players and the fans together with that team. My, my biggest thing is, okay, what sponsors do we have that you guys currently have linked to social? Are they, are they fan driven? Like, are they like Pepsi? When you think of Pepsi, you think of that like, halftime Super bowl, halftime, you know, sponsorships, you think of like their commercials of just them in the sun, summertime, and everyone's like running around. And so you think of like a really fun brand. So if someone says, hey, we have a Pepsi sponsorship for this, there's a lot of things I can do with Pepsi because I kind of have an idea of their brand. Now, if you were to come up to me and say, well, I have a brand and it is, um, I don't want to throw anybody in the bus because I, I, every brand is different. But if you had a, a brand that just wasn't as big and it, have a smaller brand, um, like, like, Commercials that I sponsorships that I never see in the major sports they work like, with, like a Patagonia or an REI. Huge sponsors are most likely in the Olympic sports space and the, in the winter sports space. But if you were to put an REI or a Patagonia for the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, sunny Southern, Southern, or sunny SoCal with a brand that's like, we don't really wear padded vests and we don't really wear big snow jackets and, and thermals and stuff, you'd kind of have a little bit of a disconnect there. Because you have, you know, basketball players. I'm not sure if a lot of them wear uh, REI, pedagogia, those kind of things. But at the same time, it's like you also have a regional problem. Yeah. So There's no bad. Like I said, it's just, it's not that it's not a fit in sports. It's not a fit for that team in that region. Um, whereas if you were to say, oh, the Ottawa Senators are sponsored by Patagonia, I'd be like, brilliant. Yeah. I'm so. sure every building is wearing that. You know, so that's kind of how I think of, of it. It's just kind of figuring out when we're, when we're diving through. What are you trying to get fans to do? It's also like, let's make sure that that brand and and where you're trying to plug them in at, it makes sense. And I, I'm really big about this with my clients. You know, I work on a lot of foundations. Um, I'm on a board of a lot of foundations. And I always ask our clients and and whatnot. Um, I sit on the board of the Allison Hope Foundation. And what we always talk about is when we're, when we're looking at a partner with brands or even just locking down venues, we always ask ourselves, does this make sense? And the the CEO, Jeremiah Allison, who created the foundation, we always have these very like, if we bring this brand in, will this upset the other brands that you work with or for these events? So these are things that we really have to think about because there are certain brands that work better for certain events based on certain times of the year. But we also don't want to bring a brand in and then make a brand feel left out or not wanted and not want to come back and work with us, you know, around the holidays. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like, oh, let me take up the phone and call X, Y, Z. There's a lot that goes into just making sure that the, it's, it's a right fit, whether it's in sports, whether it's with an athlete foundation and at an event. There's a lot more that goes into it than just like, let me just call my favorite brand. Let me call Trigger.
0: Yeah. Like you're saying, like it, it might make sense to a person like, well, these are all the things that I like. Right. But if you try to put all of those things into one puzzle, then the pieces aren't going to necessarily line up in the same way that like they do for one specific person. So that makes a ton of sense. You're listening to Brand to Fan with Lauren Teague. More after this. As you're out in the world listening to the Brand to Fan show, look up and start to count the number of team hats, t-shirts, pullovers, and jerseys you see. Once you start to see them, sports logos and team colors are seemingly everywhere. Well, this is exactly why I decided to build FanWagon the web's re-commerce marketplace for buying, discovering, and reselling your sports fanware, be it vintage or just last season's jersey. FanWagon aims to serve both buyers and sellers at the intersection of sustainability and fandom and create a personalized and easy experience for second fan fashion. I'd love for you to go check it out today at F A N W A G N. That's fanwagon.com. I'll see you there. Now, back to brand to fan. Here's Lauren Teague. I'm thinking about your experience as an athlete and in the like UGC creator space, you know, and and being able to amplify those things. And now, today, athletes, NCAA athletes are the creators. They are the influencers that, thanks to name image likeness laws um, changing on the books in 2021. You know now athletes are able to be more of those creators and be monetized accordingly for that. Now I'm sure you have a lot of opinions. Yes.
1: Oh a lot God. of opinions
0: I on go. specifically NIL. How long can this go? Well, but we. I think <laughs> I'm. I'm really curious. Like as you're advising clients, either who are still in college or or potential clients who are still in college, or looking back at your own experience, you know how does someone who's starting to build their personal brand, make sure that they're aligned with brands, you know, because even the local pancake house now can use a platform like Open Doors or Open Sponsorship to create and hire a track athlete or a a cross player or a volleyball player to, you know, to do a post about the pancakes and and the nutritious breakfast they get at their hometown diner, right? So it's like NIL is accessible to everybody from a marketing side as well as everybody from the athletic side. But how do we make sure that those are the right pairings for relationships? So
1: let's see. I I have so many thoughts. They're just all at the front of my membrane right now. Okay. NIL is great. I love NIL. As a former athlete, especially a a female hammer thrower, if you were to take USC sports, you're lining them all up. Men's, women's, put it all together. If you were to go order of importance, a female hammer thrower has to be the bottom three of that list. They're They're the top. Top. And that's coming from one myself. So as an NIL athlete who probably wouldn't have gotten any NIL deals herself, I love it. I love it for people. I love that these people can become businesses. I love that they can start making money to provide for themselves. Don't even get me started on how a stipend stretches in Iowa versus Los Angeles for UCLA and USC. Don't get me started on that conversation. I love that people can have the, the means to find additional revenue for what they bring to the table. Now, where this, gets, where this gets dicey, and this is exactly what you had just said about brands, athletes have to be really strategic on who they associate themselves with and start doing partnerships with. For example, if, you, if you're approached by a, a be, I'll call it a beverage company in, in college and they're local and they just started brewing these drinks, I, I don't know what kind, I'll keep it very, very big, they started brewing athletic drinks. They want to partner with you because they're local hometown, your college is right there and you, you make sense. And an athlete goes, oh, money, let me grab it. What they have to also think about is, am I a big enough name to wear body armor, Essentia, Smartwater, those big top tier companies, Pepsi Company, which owns everything, everybody can hunt. Am I, by doing this deal, am I going to be messing up the bigger money over here? And that's our biggest problem with NIL is you have people that are acting as consultants. They're acting as money managers or you're you're going and getting advice from family members who are not educated in the marketing brand social media space. But until you really evaluate what it is you're going to attach your, yourself to, evaluate if there's any potential other offers that may be on the table, maybe like after you win the Heisman or after... You complete your four years and your team goes to the national championship or after, you know, so it's one of those things where that's where we're, we're, we're having a problem in the NIL is, you know, you have people that are signing clothing deals from places on Melrose or places on Fifth Avenue, but like Nike was really into you, but you right. didn't take the time to like dive through. If I sign this deal here, would Nike still want to hang out with me here? Like that's definitely that's we're not doing is we're not, our vetting process is flawed. Well, what if you are not the sexy
0: brand, or you're not the sexy industry? But the, what if you're the healthcare company, or you know, the rental car agency, or the mom and pop from somebody's hometown? Does it make sense for them to explore nil as a influencer creator play when we know that organic social media is and 100%. and using creators is the
1: way to go. 100. Like I said, the mom and pop shop. There's a there's a place over here in LA that we partner with all the time, the Serving Spoon. And mom pop shop, we love it. It it speaks to the community in which we serve here with some of the foundations I work with. And it just makes sense. And so for that, there's no harm there. It's if you're a person that loves that that restaurant or that entity or whatever that is locally, that that body shop, it it absolutely makes sense. Because at the same time, the likelihood of another body shop being on the table and, and being mad that you're partnering with the one on this street versus that street is probably really low another another pancake place is a is a pancake place and fighting over you over pancakes probably pretty low so those deals as long as they're they're mutually beneficial for both parties 100% because for me I am from a small town in Orange County I'm a, I'm from a city called Rossmore Rossmore is an unincorporated city within Los Alamitos Los Alamitos and Rossmore are not the same thing to people who live in Rossmore and so when I say Rossmore people are like Rossmore but if you're watching this podcasting you know what Nick's burritos is then you already know what that place means to Rossmore, And so people will come into that. So if I'm sponsored by Nick's Burritos and Nick's Deli. You best believe I'm going to take that deal because I don't think any other delis, Italian style delis are going to be coming after me. Sure. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, if Nick's is li- listening, what's up, everybody? Love you. Um, would love to be sponsored for Burritos for Life. But um, in any case, I, I love those. I love those small town partnerships. I love the smaller brands, you know, getting it and getting a piece of their cut. I mean, How many of us knew what Athletic Brewing was before before this year? I love USC. I love beer. Caleb Williams is is a spokesperson for Athletic Brewing. He has a sponsorship with them. I'm kind of interested. What does your IPA taste like? What does what does the the IPA taste like? I'm I'm now interested. So never knew what athlete Brewing was or Athletic Brewing was before this year. Now I'm like, I hope I run into one of those in the store so I can grab a pack. Yeah. So like I said, a a no name. It's not Essentia, It's not Smart Water. It's but it's like they're, they're getting on the map. They're, they're, they're starting small, get on the map. Yeah. And I, I think that's
0: so important for, you know, it's that you don't have to be Nissan. You don't have to be Dr. Pepper. You don't have to be sponsoring a halftime show to actually get some juice out of a marketing relationship now in sports. So that's pretty. I have a fun question for
1: you. What is one, what is one commercial? What is one commercial that makes you like, when you see it, you're like, I, I really want that. Uh, I have two of them, and there's okay. only two in the world that have ever made me go, that one work. Okay,
0: I'll give you my answer, then I'll tell, you and then I want yours. Um, uh, I don't want that, but I am a proud USAA member because my husband served at uh, seven years in the Navy. Oh, and so we do have USAA um insurances, and I happily love when the brands that I'm already associated with or do business with do really good marketing campaigns. Yep, and I think the Rob Gronkowski sketches are yeah. so funny because they just keep going. Yeah. Like, and it's just humorous to me that they've positioned him. And like, and it feels fairly authentic that he's like, you know, like I have all these things and I can't be a USAA member. And that's like, and I'm so I'm trying to do these things yeah. to become or, you know, to be eligible. And I think it's like a kind of a shout out to the military community, right? Because only a very small percentage of. Americans actually enlist to serve or, or sign up to serve and someone who has had such an incredible career like Gronk, you know, right. and has everything he wants, like it, there's a cool dichotomy there. So I don't, I already am a USA member, but I think that that is one that I'm always like that works for me Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I'm a fan of, of how the brand came together in a way that like makes it authentic and humorous.
1: Right. No, I love that. It's those those commercials are really funny. I disclaimer I do not drink soda. I will have a soda once in a blue moon when I'm at a Mexican restaurant. You know, I just like those two things go really well together. When I see Dr. Pepper commercials, it could be anything, it could be Fansville, it can be Heisman House, whatever it is. I'm like, dang, I really want a Dr. Pepper right now. When I look around, like I have, I don't think I've ever bought a case of soda since I left college. So over a decade. like when I see Dr. Pepper commercials, I'm like, it just makes me want Dr. Pepper. Same with Cheez-Its. I'm like, I could really go for some crunchy Cheez-Its right now. Yeah. it's Like during the national, during, during college football bowl game season, it's like you, you see so many of the same commercials. You're like, I would do anything not to see that Cheez-Its commercial again for the 17th time during the Rose Bowl. But like, I really do sit there and I'm like, if I had a nice box of Cheez-Its right now, this, this would be a little bit. And a little Dr. Pepper. They give me every time. Do I ever do it? No, but if I had one in my possession at the time of the commercial, it would have definitely put me into action.
0: And then you might actually consider like next time you're shopping or right. uh, like a game day, Every like I'm, blow, stop. I'm going to somebody else's party. I can leave it there at the end, but I'm just yep. going to have a handful of Cheez-Its and, you know, you a small Dr. Pepper. Absolutely. Grab that to I me, think, I,
1: I'm. I'm not going to out myself, but I am. I did that during the National Championship game. Uh, in the control room, they had a nice snack lounge right next to it. Oh, yeah. I me some Cheez-Its, put it in there. And I got, oh, I did iced tea. I said, Dr. Pepper. I don't think they had Dr. Pepper in that lounge. But I, I sure I sure got my fair share of Cheez-Its that night. CFP, I am a fan of the CFP
0: and the team there. They do such an amazing job. The they put on an incredible um, event and experience for even the people who are working the event. And I was fortunate enough to go in, I think it was the 2020... CFP down in San Jose, and, and you and your friends from Ward yeah. were there. I actually helped produce some of the content on the ground. That was super fun. Um, but getting to go in and experience that is not, not a game I really would typically turn on. I'm not as big of a football fan as you are. But since doing that and having that experience and seeing what happens behind the scenes, yeah, I'm in. And I think that that's the key, right? I think that some sort of experience that's either emotional or physical, like you have it, it not only becomes a story that you can tell and share, but it just having that, if if it's a good experience, then you're more likely to be willing to, to kind of get extra emails or be opted into some list or, you know, consider them again and again. So whether it's right, it's, or like, you know, something you get to do, I think that those things all play
1: into, you
0: know, the repeatable ways that we can create fans.
1: Right. And honestly, I, I would be, I, I would be not doing my Katie Cavender from College Football Playoff a disservice, but I wouldn't be Sean in her hour now. Katie Cavender is the glue to why so many people love working with them in, in December and January. Like I have never met someone in the industry who puts so many people on blast and helps them get job placements, helps them get their master's degree, helps them get in the sports business programs. Like, Katie Cavender is literally like a dear, dear friend of mine. But I'm like, how do I channel that energy? And how do I channel like, she's the kindest person I ever met? Yeah. And like, but like her kindness and the way that she she builds the team around her and the way that her content team, her digital team, her comms team, her every team, it's like they all are like little walking versions of Katie. And so when you interact with them, you're like, you feel like you're talking to Katie, but Katie's like all the way over there managing 70,000 other things that she's doing. And it's just like, it's such a, I've just never met somebody in the industry that just brings in so many people as interns for that time period. And then they go off and they're like, hey, I'm the GM of the Clippers. So you're like, oh, of course well, you want to be Captain her tree too? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And they talk about coaching trees, but I think you're right. I think there are some very specific social content, digital it. trees. That's it. And she is definitely the head of one. So that is uh, Katie. You are on notice. We are going to ask you to join Brand a Fan Show because Hi. I, um, I we will. I want to unpack that. I want to unpack how you build teams and help people, and and why you know how you got so good at that. That is a, a huge part of it. So very cool. I would be remiss, Farron, if I didn't have you on and I didn't give you a shout out of your own. In oh. September, you passed the NFL PA licensure. So. Tell me a little bit about what that means. I know you were already doing marketing and client maintenance, but what does it mean to be a female contract advisor
1: for the NFLPA? Yeah, thank you for that. I'm really excited. I get super emotional talking about it. Um, it was something that I set out to do um, about a year and a half ago. You know what it is? It's, I've been in this industry for so long. I, I've seen what I think is all of it, but trust me, there's, you've never seen it all in here in sports. But it was one of those things I want to do for me. Um, Because I was sitting in these rooms and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. But I legally cannot sit in that room over there with those guys. And for me, it was like, a, no, I deserve to sit over there. Like, no, there's a seat for me over there. Um, So I ended up uh, studying for six months for that exam. Um, They offer it one time, one day a year in July. If you, if you pass, great. If you don't, another 365 for you. And I only told about, I want to say seven people. Testing is really bad um, for me. I don't do tricks. I don't do like pick the best answer. Like no, I'm going to tell you what the answer. Is. I'm give me a pledge write it down. So uh, Sarah, testing for me is really is really nerve wracking. Um, it's not that I get nervous. It just kind of boring to me. It's just it's boring when you're just written there, reading, reading, read. Um, I'm more of like an interactive test taker. And so knowing that that was how the test was, I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want to disappoint myself. And then everybody was counting on me and everybody who's cheering me on. So I kept it really, really quiet. And and whatnot. So learning that I passed on the first try. Um, now that I'm able to, I'm so excited. I'm. I don't have any clients yet on the on the contract side. I'm working on that. This is going to be my first off season, um, where I can really dive into recruiting and understanding the type of guys that I want to recruit. I have a very good. I have a good idea of the type of athlete that I'm looking for. That that would that would suit me, at least importantly suit me. But me being able to to suit that type of player. So I'm. I'm kind of. I have an idea of different guys that I. That I would I would recruit a different guys and and positions that I'm very familiar with um, versus other positions. So I'm I'm just really excited to kind of be able to have a seat at that, at that table that's usually full of of grown men.
0: I love that. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. It's such a cool, cool thing. Um, and it it's such an accomplishment. It speaks to, you know, I think, you know, there can't be very many women, female contract advisors in the NFLPA. I mean, we're severely underrepresented across all professional sports. Um, and I just think that you having a seat at that table in that room is going to make a huge difference. I think that the way you carry yourself and the way that you see the world is so much different than, than a lot of the people who usually sit in those rooms. And I'm so excited to see how that influences you know, the, the type of player that you attract and the deals that you can get done for them. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I'm i really excited about it. I'm nervous. I'm really, really nervous. You take the test, but after the test, there's no like, well, like guidebook. There's no like, okay, now that you're an agent, let's get into, it's, it's just like, now that you're an agent, good luck. So it's been, um, it's been really scary because my biggest thing is I don't ever want to mess mess it up, right? We're talking about people's lives, livelihoods, their careers, their families. So I want to make sure that what I do, I'm, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it the best. And so I'm I'm starting to put those pieces together for myself, so then I can be the best and present my best foot forward to to athletes that I'll potentially represent in the future. So, um, like I said, I'm really excited about it. My first my first big like year now an agent is going to come in about a month. Here I'm going to be heading to the combine, uh, which I know is where they have agent meetings and you start kind of chatting with teams, chatting with people, understanding where things stand. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to be accompanied by uh, Chris Ellison, the agent that I've worked underneath for uh, and alongside for the last so it'll be draft class 8 i think um 8 or 9 so uh he's he's got a great mentor um a great person to learn from he is he is the epitome of what you'd want an agent to be um he's a family man he he makes their you know his, his clients become a part of his family and they he he does what's right by people and so that's what i hope to be i hope to be someone that just does right by people gets people you know um generational wealth helps them build generational wealth and puts them in positions and locations and with teams and stuff that that fit that you know who they are as a player yeah, I didn't think I could be a bigger fan
0: of yours when we ended this competition than when we started, but I am. I just, I love your heart. I love your drive. I love what you're doing. Um, you take no bullshit from anybody. You and I actually sat on a panel that we built uh, like break, that was called Breaking the Glass Ceiling and yeah. and about women in sports. And no one I would be more prouder to sit next to
1: on a panel if anybody wants to have us back. Yeah, uh, and we- we're we're ready. We're ready to speak. Uh, we can do matching outfits too. We can do like hot pink suits and stuff. Whatever you're, you're uh, looking can for. Unless and you buy an Oregon yeah. State jerseys, we can yeah. do that. Do that. We can
0: be friends and hug it out. Yeah, that's fine. We, we need to set in a good example, Farron, Before I let you go, I want to ask the two questions that we're asking everybody on the brand to fan show. Even though we're only a couple episodes in, I want to ask you these questions as well. Uh, the first one, Farron, what are you today a fan of right now?
1: Brants, whatever you're a fan of. Oh, man. Um, gummy bears. <laughs> Haribo, give me a call. My, uh, my waistline won't love you, but I I sure, my, my heart will. I <laughs> love gummy bears. I think about gummy bears often. Always, always a fan of a nice tequila or a nice, nice bottle of red wine. I love, like here, I, I love Delta. Like Delta's been so good to me. I, I, you know, I'm on the road all the time. So I just, I like Airlines that just have it all and they're they're usually on time and they, they care of me and my family. I get so overwhelmed with media and stuff that I have to kind of like divide my time. I'm a huge fan of two new properties outside of this podcast, of course. Huge fan of what they're doing over at Omaha Productions. I think that the Peyton and Eli simulcast, I didn't watch a regular NFL Monday Night Football game if they had Eli and Peyton on. It was 100% there. Uh, I'm also a huge, a huge fan of the Pivot podcast. I, I've been really tuning in. They have some fantastic guests on, you know, on the Pivot podcast. And I've been a huge, huge fan since they broke off and, and started their own thing. I think I, I've, got, I've got to learn about coaches and and whatnot. Raheem Morris is probably one of my favorite interviews they did. Obviously, they did one with Reggie Bush. That was insightful as well. But they just they have so many great guests and stuff that I, I'm a huge fan of that right now um, when it comes to just themes. Yeah, some of the things that are on my mind. Tequila, gummy bears, you know, Peyton and Eli, Delta, obviously. But those are kind of some of the things that are constantly on my mind. If we can somehow get
0: at Peyton Manning on the Brand of Fan Show, then I will buy you the nicest bottle of tequila that Jay Bear, tequila teacher Jay Bear, who's episode number one of Brand of Fan Show, I will take his recommendation and I will exchange you uh, Bottle of
1: Jay's favorite tequila for an appearance from Peyton Manning. So we you- will come kind of hold the lighting if Peyton's going to come. I, if he's going to play you other on site or something, I'll hold the light. We'll just call him
0: up. We'll just offer him a little like a little round of golf. That's amazing. Okay, second question. So, what is your all-time favorite jersey or piece of fanware that's either in your closet today or you can't believe you let go of some other time? So
1: back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, my dad friend from high school married the rams equipment manager so during the greatest show on turf um you know the kurt warner era the the orlando pace the isaac bruce Troy Holt, those that that era i actually have kurt warner's locker from st louis like his locker i have a whole piece um a whole square box of it um i have his locker um from the greatest uh show on turf era so i don't know how often they got new lockers in the locker room but when they were tearing stuff down, my dad got a phone call and said, I think Farron might like this. I am trying to figure out a way to get it into my um, my queen's quarters here. And it's not it's not a man cave. It's a queen's quarters. I'm trying to get it placed in my queen's quarters here, but I got to figure out the feng shui of my room. So to to be determined, what if I get it in here? But I I do own that. And I'm very wow. I am going to need to see a picture.
0: We're going to put it on the show notes of not- this episode. So that we can, you know, put that right next to that plus a, plus a Peyton Manning picture. I don't know. Maybe. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
1: That is so cool. It's, awesome. it's yellow. It's yellow. It's like, looks like the drawers of, you know, it looks worn. It looks worn. It it's awesome. But, but it's sick like when you have a locker and you don't have all the other ones next to it. It's kind of like a, woo, but a little wobbly piece. Yeah. You gotta, you know, it's just sit for a corner. Wood, 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 nameplate wood, drawer wood. It's really cool. If it's, it's old school. It's cool. I love that. I love that. I love that.
0: Um, Farron, where can our listeners, our, our viewers of The Brand of Fan Show, follow you, connect with you online?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, just Farrah Benjamin. You'll you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram handles are both at Farrah Benjamin, so much is my full name. Uh, you can find me there, here, there, and everywhere. You can you can call me. I guess all our phone numbers are, are you know, on Zoom info and everything else nowadays. So uh, I'm I'm always reachable. I love helping people. I love connecting with other people in the sports industry. I love actually going outside with other people in the sports industry. So let's all go outside. So um, if you're gonna reach out to me, let's like plan something fun so we can like, meet in person and and shake hands and hug and stuff. That's amazing. This is the Brand to Fan
0: Show. We are the podcast that unpacks the phenomenon of fandom to help you build for the future by creating more fans. You can find the show notes for this episode with Farron in every episode on Brand to Fan dot show. If you love this episode, like I love Farron, do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and tell somebody about the brand of fan show. I am Lauren Teague and she is Farron Benjamin, my guest for today. Thank you so, so, so much. I will see you somewhere
1: because lady, you are everywhere. and love it. Thank you, Lauren, for having me on. I love this. I love supporting my girls in sports. Go us, go women in sports and i um, excited to support and I will see you soon.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Brand to Fan Show. I'm your host, Lauren Teague, marketing speaker, strategist, and the founder of FanWagon. You know, it means a lot to me to spend this time with you. So if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you could drop me a note at brandtofan at teaguefc.com or message me on Instagram where I'm also Teaguefc. If these brand of fan conversations resonate with you and you'd like to share this message with your audience, go to laurenteague.com to find out how I guide businesses and associations to stop chasing shiny objects and instead build for lasting affinity. The Brand Fan Show is produced by Teague FC and supported by FanWagon. Audio production is done by Brian Griggs and video editing done by Garrett Teague. Our producers are Kimberly Voorhees, Ashley Ruiz, and Carrie Hilbush. You can catch up on past episodes and guests and access bonus content by visiting brandtofan.show.